0: Hey, welcome to RushCast. Thank you for listening to our show and downloading and streaming or however you're hearing my voice. Thank you very much for doing so. We're glad to have you here. I want to say hi to Stephanie R. who tweeted at J Mantis and or RushCast or something. And also emailed the show and wanted to say hi. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you for listening. Alright, this is our last show of 2015. Starting in January, the first Sunday, I guess that's this Sunday, we're going to be doing the 2016 album series, so each week we're going to go in order chronologically, starting with Rush, and then Fly By Night, then Caress of Steel, and so on. Each week, each episode will be only about one album. It's going to be fun for me because I have to, I'll like force myself to sit down and really absorb one album for a whole week, uh, like I had in the past before I knew the album's up and down and I'll have a different guest on each week and we'll talk about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I wanted to do one more before that. I forgot to bring some equipment back upstate with me so I couldn't do one last week, but here we are. I I've I've improvised and figured out a way that I could do it anyway. Uh let's see here. Um so Miss Universe, I don't know if you heard, but there was a, a little bit of a thing That happened so Steve Harvey our guy Steve Harvey is the host of this pageant it's a big deal in case you you are unfamiliar with what I'm talking about he's ready to announce the winner between these two women and he says you know Miss Columbia you're the winner you win the whole thing congratulations there's confetti falling they put the crown on her everybody's crying uh fantastic and then this happens
1: I have to apologize (laughs) The first runner-up is Colombia Universe two thousand fifteen is Philippines.
0: And this Philippines is so surprised and, and and walks out on stage, you know, gasping for breath and can't be- fanning her face and can't believe that, you know what she thought she had second, but no, she's the true champ. I'm not buying this for a single second. You can call me a conspiracy theorist or whatever you want. The second it happened, people were like, oh, there's going to be conspiracy theorists. I'm just looking at what I see. I'm just going by what I'm, I'm observing. And I'm not buying any of it, okay? if Did you notice the amount of time between like the it was so dramatic between him saying I, I made a mistake uh here's the real winner and then you know of course the TV the TV guys are there immediately with the music I, I just I don't buy any of it uh I think it was done on purpose I think Steve Harvey's the kind of guy who would they they could pitch that idea to him and he'd go yeah I could do that you know I don't have like this impeccable uh persona or like my character isn't that. Uh, you know, isn't that pristine that I I can't ruin my image or anything? I, mean, I think he's just a goofball, and he's like, yeah, let's do it. If it, you know, it'll get people talking about it, and it did. I didn't even know the pageant was happening until this happened, and we talked about it for days. I'm talking it about it. I'm talking about it on a rush podcast. <laughs> I think it was, you know, it, it did its job. They they said we're gonna, hey, you're the winner. Just kidding. But the big thing for me is, if you've watched the video, watch Miss Philippines' uh, face. (laughs) Like, I mean, you're asking all these people who aren't actors to be actors. That's like giving a bunch of actors instruments and saying, hey, be musicians. And, And all the musicians that are listening to me right now, you know... You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a strings teacher, so I teach violin, viola, cello, and bass. And I'm a technique freak. Like, all of my students need to have good technique, regardless of, you can sound beautiful if you have an awful technique, it just, uh, it, uh, it just kind of irks me. When I see a sitcom, and there's a string quartet, I know instantly when they're actors or when they're musicians. You know, like they, they could be actors that they just threw violins at them and said, here, pretend to play violin, or they could have hired musicians and just been like, you know, play quietly over here. And that's easy. like on, on a bowed instrument, you can just look at their right pinky and know instantly you you can just know because uh, anyone who's taken two lessons, two or three lessons on a bowed instrument knows that that pinky has to be rounded and nice and loose but anyone, your instinct tells you your pinky locks down and is hard as a rock and does all the support and anchors there, and that's just completely wrong, so I know instantly just by looking at the pinky. Uh, why did I go there? I don't remember. The point is, they asked these models to be actors, and I don't think it worked. It was it, I wasn't buying it for a second. Um, here, here's my point rush-wise. This was uh, Timed nicely with An audio clip From a listener And that listener is my dad Here it is
1: Hello Jay This is your paternal correspondent John Grico, Checking in Sorry Chad I just wanted to mention a thing or two About your latest show First of all That whole Neil thing you, uh, didn't mention the significance of the timing of this, quote, retirement statement, which just so happens to be exactly as a new concert DVD, perhaps the last one ever, is released to the Christmas shopping public. Coincidence? I think not. You know, these marketing people? They'll take any advantage they can. And, uh, what's up with Rush, anyway? seems like every 40 years they have to deal with possibly getting a new drummer. I'm starting to see a pattern here. And secondly, I liked Mr. Middletown's clip that you played about evolution rather than progressive. I agree with his point. Uh, progressive in this sense means that a band has evolved. from one starting point to uh, where they are, in this case, 40 years later. I'd like to differ with his definition of the word progressive, however. He is correct in that it is the proper definition of the word. However, when it refers to music, for example, progressive rock band, it basically referred back in the day to music that varied from the typical, quote, pop-rock format. You know, verse, chorus, second verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, and, you know, you get the idea. These progressive bands certainly strayed from that format, and Rush is definitely involved in that. Hey, keep up the good work, love the show, blah, 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 you know, okay. And hey, never forget...
0: Okay, uh, you got to ha- kind of have your cheese filter up with my dad sometimes. <laughs> uh, but, you know, regardless, it's a, he ha- has a lot of good points. Uh, I like that people are sending me audio clips with music attached to it. You know, like uh, somebody, said to, somebody said to me, like, how can we put music behind Bill middletown Myers' clip and not mine? I didn't put music behind, I don't put music behind anyone's clips. Bill did that. And it sounded really cool last week. If you didn't hear it, go listen. Um, so my dad kind of stole that idea and used his little, uh, his uh, his new edited version of Mission. Sounds really cool. So more conspiracy theories, right? Dad thinks that this R40, or I mean uh, this Neil Peart retiring thing is suspiciously right where R40 was released, you know, for for consumers. So I don't know if I buy this one as much because if you heard my reaction to this in the last episode, I think this was just a lot of people being really silly and not using their brains. You know, like this was just a case of people being stupid and that's why this happened. However, and I'm not calling you stupid if you if you bought it, Uh, I just think it was a weird set of circumstances that all kind of acted as a catalyst for that story to break. I guess maybe, like, it makes sense. It makes sense for them to be like, hey, you know, we recorded this, uh, we transcribed this whole interview three months ago, but let's wait until our 40's out and everyone starts talking about it, and then it'll be like, hey, Neil's retired, now everybody's got to go buy the last thing they just made. I guess but if that's true that's even more so like you and I who are big enough fans to host and listen to a rush podcast shouldn't be falling for it you know what i mean like if that's true that they're only they're only talking to a a very small chunk of people who are really clueless when it comes to what the band is doing like really casual fans um I see these like rush accounts talking about the um the bassist that just died for Motorhead. And like I didn't know the guy by name and I like Motorhead. I just I'm a casual fan. I I didn't know his name. I'm also not old enough to know Motorhead that well. I'm not old enough to know Rush that well either so I guess that doesn't count and it's irrelevant. But I think if I saw a Motorhead uh headline and I just took it at face value. Like I don't care about Motorhead enough to even click on the link. So if I saw a Motorhead headline or a Motor headline, I would I would just believe it. I would buy it. So that you know, if it were fake, it would have it would have you know tricked me, essentially. So if your favorite Rush song is Free Will and Tom Sawyer, you know maybe <laughs> I I'll, I won't. Well, I take that back. If the only if you can name me four Rush songs and they're all greatest hits, then maybe you're someone who was you know, didn't bother to even click on those links and read what what the article actually said. Not Neil Peart officially retires from music forever, and Alex Lifeson is now an astronaut. So they're similar, right? Steve Harvey potentially they they kind of goofed it on purpose so that they can get more publicity and these guys that broke the Neil Peart thing i guess maybe they were in cahoots with the record companies but i don't know let me know i i type, you know typically i'm not buying the the Rush one and i am buying the Steve Harvey thing my dad's the opposite my dad's like no they didn't fake that Pageant thing, they didn't fake it. But he's all about the rush conspiracy theories. Which is cool. So Dad Mantis was very good to Jay Mantis for <laughs> for my birthday and Christmas. Um I know I'm I'm late to the party, but I got R forty live, regardless of what any fake headlines say. I got R40 Live for my birthday, and I like it. I like it a lot. I watched it through once so far, and my big takeaway was the audio, which oh, through the last 10 years, maybe like 15 years, it's been the story of what's the audio gonna be like on these live albums. So we know that Rio was littered, littered with uh, crowd noise. Some people love that. Some people hate that. A Show of Hands is a good example even further back of an album that had almost no crowd noise. So we've kind of had something between those two uh, since Rio, like between Rio, which is all crowd noise, and Show of Hands, which is hardly any It's kind of been a nice balance between those two for the the live album since. I thought Clockwork Live stood out cinematically. I guess uh, that might not be the word I need. Uh, The filmography. (laughs) Am I making up words now? (laughs) Uh, It it just looked better. The, The camera angles were better. The you know the which cameras they used in which order was really nicely done i just remember when they they released the garden before the actual like movie came out and or the or the dvd and i remember that was the first thing i thought in the first verse there's this like sweeping camera angle out from behind getty's amps kind of facing alex's side and it slowly moved out and around and in front of Getty. And I don't know if it was a handheld camera or one of those like football arena cameras, but it was just a nice, especially for the garden, a really nice touch. And that was that was throughout that whole DVD. The whole Clockwork Angels Live had these crazy camera shots that we that were a bit better than we had seen in the past. With R forty, those camera shots were still there. They weren't as night. They weren't as uh, romantic because I had already been exposed to them on the last album, the last live album. But man, sonically, this thing is just. I'm. I know you agree with me, and maybe you don't. Maybe you're someone who says I want the crowd noise or a little bit of crowd noise or whatever. What my dad and I thought a couple songs in while watching was. I don't think there's ever been a live album where the vocals were so present in the mix. Like, we're t- it was almost mixed like a studio album. And keep in mind, this is David Botrell or Botrell or however he says it, uh, who I talked to for a full episode about, re- the, he's the person that remixed Vapor Trails. He's responsible for, responsible for the remix. He's the guy who uh, who, who mixed this live album. And he did a killer job. I said that to my dad. I reminded him. He said, oh, yeah, really? Wow. <laughs> he said, and, you know, and look what we have. A super clear, clean mix. Just like the new Vapor Trails. Man, it was good to hear the nuances in the singing. And it wasn't done. It wasn't overkill. It didn't, he didn't go too far, in my opinion. In terms of crowd noise, you know, I'm I'm whatever. I I know in Rio you sort of needed that, like to cut all the crowd noise from how many people were there, tens and tens and tens of thousands of people. You know, why, why would you do that? That was part of the thing. And, oh, they sang to YYZ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. That was cool. It was great. But the rest of the time, you know, when they're in, they're in Dallas or Toronto and it's just a hockey arena, you know, I don't necessarily need the crowd noise. I'm not here to see hear the crowd. That's what the concert's for, in my opinion. That's just my taste. Uh, I thought the guitar tone was better than it's been in a long time, which is weird because I've always preferred the Hughes and Kettner amps, which he doesn't use hardly ever in the last uh, tour. So... That might not be attributed to the amps. Maybe, maybe it's just the, the mix. Maybe he just mixed it better. It was it just it was clear. It wasn't as muddy. Like go listen to R thirty. The guitar's muddy. It's got it, like a thickness to it, which maybe he wanted. Maybe he really was looking for that. Uh, snakes. Like I love the snake sound, uh, but it wasn't as clear and as crisp as this R forty one really really nice job. I mean, I watched the whole thing, obviously watching the guys, but also thinking, man, the the uh the engine the sound engineers involved with this thing are are really outdoing themselves. Obviously, one of the big things for me, in case you don't remember, I I saw one show in New York and did not get to hear a lot of the songs that were rotating. I got the ones I would rather hear were not on my list. That includes "How It Is," which I had never heard live, or any of us had ever heard live. And I was shocked they played it to begin with. So you know that's early in the set, and I got to hear it. And at the first listen through, I thought, "I don't like it. I don't. I don't think that was. I don't think that was done well. It wasn't." It wasn't as perfect as either of the two original studio albums, the remix or the original, which I think are perfect on how it is. Then I listened to it again because my dad wasn't in the room, so we watched it again. And I said, I take that back. It's not that it's not good. It's just a very different vibe than those originals because the originals were layered so heavily, especially like in the guitar department. I loved that 12-string electric PRS that Alex played on that one. Such a different thing for Alex on stage. You know, at least as of the last 20 years, I don't know about the older days. I don't remember ever seeing just a one-neck 12-string. Especially a PRS with like a single-coil pickup in the middle. Like A really, really cool sound and a cool look for Alex. I'm glad he did that. I wonder if it had been recorded... Like, is the original how it is? Recorded on a 12-string guitar? Or was it layered so heavily with a bunch of six strings? And this is Alex's attempt to recreate that sound. I, if any of you know, please tell me, because I, I don't know. Uh, but it was a cool vibe on stage the second time around. I said, no, I get this. It's Again, I can't go in expecting... I can't go in expecting La Via Strangietto and then get... War paint and be like, eh, they're not the same thing. Uh, like old rush. Oh my god. You can't expect anthem and then when you get, uh, I'll give me another one. Uh, you bet your life. You, you can't have uh, Cygnus or Jacob's Ladder and then be sad when you get Open Secrets or Bravest Face. Like, they're very different things, so once I realized that, hey, how it is on the on vapor trails is a different thing than how it is twenty years later on r forty is it twenty years uh like thirteen years on r forty then I really liked it it had a lot more space it was open it didn't it didn't feel so cluttered and i I mean that in a good way it cluttered like there was just so much depth. It was so dense on Vapor Trails, like the rest of the album, even the remix. And this one had so much less layering. You know, Getty had so much room for playing around on the bass. I gotta say, that bass he played on how it is, the I don't know, it doesn't look like the normal Thunderbird he plays on the next few tunes. Maybe it's like an older Thunderbird, I'm not good with Gibson basses. Look, the thing looks cumbersome. Like Getty has to like come around the instrument. It looks a little too high on him. It's just a beefy thing, and I, I wonder why Getty likes. You know what? What about that bass spoke to him? How it is was cool. Losing it was really good for me because, for a few reasons, I saw uh, Dinklage play instead of Ben Mink, so it was cool to see the original guy, even though John was John was awesome he 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 had a bit more of a a bit more energy on stage than ben mink but ben mink is his own thing like that's so cool uh but also to kind of gauge everybody else's reaction to a song like losing it the big thing for me live was i couldn't believe at the end of the song this thing is metal this song rocks and what an exercise in weird time signatures we start in five there are parts in four the solos are in 11 a really nice 11 too a nice fast six five and then back to four for the end of the tune like really really a nice a really nice tune is what i'm trying to say uh it starts out you think this ain't gonna work live totally totally worked i was wrong there I'm a little baffled as... I guess not baffled. I'm surprised they played so many clockwork songs. Now we're getting into set list stuff that I could have talked about since the summer, and we have talked about it, but still surprised there were so many clockwork songs on it. Um, I guess it's a testament to how much they really do like that album. A big thing for me in anticipation for this DVD was hearing Cygnus, because Cygnus was... Detuned, so that Getty didn't have to sing as high, and where I was in Madison Square Garden was above Getty, kind of close to the stage, but way up high, and I lost a lot of the direct sound, like the I think most of the sound I was getting was bouncing off other things and coming at us. It was very muddy by then, so it was hard to hear a lot of the definition of the sounds, and at times it was hard to hear the pitches. It was, I couldn't hear, I'm like, what what notes are you playing? I I don't even, is this the song I think it is? And I know these songs up and down. It was, it was disappointing for, and I knew what they were playing, but it kind of stunk that I couldn't hear what it was. It was too muddy and too clunky live. So now I get this pristine mix and it's so clear. I can hear every single note they're playing on on hemispheres and Cygnus. Um it was cool. I said to my dad, you know, my dad plays a getty lee uh, artist jazz bass. Uh we talk about Getty's number 1 having he always talks about having this distinct sound. Well, on this tour more than ever you get to see it and hear it the difference. I never really bought it bought it when he said it. he was like oh yeah, it's got like sort of something about the electronics in it. It just sounds different. I'm thinking you're you're crazy. You're just telling yourself that. But then he pulls out these old vintage basses. And the beginning of Cygnus is a great example. Cygnus book one. boom, boom, but out. He's playing on, I think it's like a, a red or blue jazz bass or something. Just a regular old jazz bass from the 60s. And you can hear it. You can, I'm like, that. that's not his sound. You know, like it's there. But it's not the number one sound that we're used to. It was a cool little experience for me to 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 really feel that difference. I also wondered how they were going to how are they going to pepper in the fact that these these red dudes in the background are moving these amps around for the whole show. I are, are they going to ignore them and pretend that's not happening? Are they, you know, when each time they come out are the cameras all going to jump to him or to the those guys moving the stuff? I uh, I thought that was done really nicely. And I don't know how they did it. I don't know how I would have done it if I had I been in charge of it because I thought that was tough. And they a lot of times you could see the band playing and then they'd kind of pan over and then you'd see the guys move. It was just enough to be like, hey, look, the guys are taking that amp away. It didn't need to be the full shot. You know, they, they did it really nicely. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch it a few more times and sort of absorb it a bit more. And I look forward to any any like big thoughts you had on it that you want to share with me. Please let me know. I know some of you have been holding some stuff back for with me, and thank you because I hadn't seen it yet. But uh, send them my way now. I got like a, a sort of a bonus gift. Um, I open it up and it looks like Grace Under Pressure, a CD, and I'm like, what? Uh, you know. It's from my dad, and he, he knows I own Grace Under Pressure. And it's Grace Under Pressure Live. And he said, did you know that existed? <laughs> I said, yeah, I knew it existed, but I'd never heard it. And that's right, I, there's an album I've never heard. I think I heard parts of it once or something. Um, He goes, I've never seen this thing. And he's right, Like it, at least in the music stores around here, it's not easy to find, Like it's not around much. I can always find Russian Rio or or Snakes and Arrows or whatever. Like those are moving pictures. That stuff's always around. Exit stage left. Like, come on. But this thing is tough. So I've I know I've heard parts of it, and obviously I wasn't blown away, or else I would have listened to the rest of it. Um The Fear trilogy's on there. So it'd be cool to hear the weapon for once. But uh the big thing, I mean I and I haven't listened yet uh part of it was like you know i'm the, I, at, there was a time when i thought i was the biggest fan in the world and i, I had a problem <laughs> so i sort of liked the idea of leaving one piece of material that i hadn't heard yet just so i could like convince myself i didn't have a problem i wasn't that big a fan because i oh, i still haven't heard grace live you know um I guess those days are over. Plus, you guys have proven to me I'm not the biggest fan. You, A lot of you know way more than I do. So now I'll listen to it. The first thing I noticed was uh, my dad pointed out the whole tour book is in the booklet in the CD. I wish every live CD did that. That's really cool. The first thing I noticed was the cover. Somebody, and I don't remember who, I meant to look it up through my emails. Somebody emailed the show and said, did you notice... The cover, uh, oh, it was when we were talking about artwork. When the the cover of Grace Under Pressure changed, it got like darker and sort of scarier with the clouds in the background. At some point, they just, they changed that. Uh, well, that's, I noticed immediately, I've got a poster of the vinyl on of the studio album in my bedroom. And I see it every day. And this thing was darker. It had more of a, like a gray hue to it instead of that light blue i took a picture of the two of them next to uh next to each other and nobody nobody told me why i thought maybe one of you would know uh but it seems like the cd release of grace under pressure live was when that change happened is what i'm guessing but i thought that i always think that stuff's interesting all right this is the end of 2015 this is the end uh next up we're doing something different the 2016 album series is gonna be a blast uh the cool thing for me is I don't need to plan as much like I gotta study up on that album and have some notes about it but I don't you know for the next what 22 weeks I don't I'm sort of off the hook which will be cool but I'm interested to see what what the guests input you know what I mean Some of you asked, what's the digital discussion thing going to be like over this series? What we're going to do, what I'm going to do is take the next 22 weeks to plan, because I was sort of running out of ideas at one point for digital discussions and things like that. I'm going to take the next 22 weeks to plan for the second half of the year. Uh, So if you have digital discussion ideas, send them to me and I'll write them down and we'll choose from those and... Uh, any topics of interest it'll all be planned for after the album series however each week i still want your input uh, i'm not sure how we're going to do it yet what so you know we talk let's say we're doing moving pictures this week um well on the next episode you send me your input on whatever we talked about or whatever you have to say about that album and maybe at the beginning of the signals album I'll read your stuff about moving pictures just so because I do want I do want other people other than the guests to be involved as well. okay, so keep your digital discussion each week is your feedback on last week's album. okay? Sweet. I will see you guys in a week. Have a good new year. To you no, by- I didn't say it brought to you by Knickerbocker.